Hi, I'm Manish Dakara. I am CMD and CEO at UK Energy Services Limited. That is Energy International, which is one of the world's largest carbon credit suppliers. And you are listening to Understanding the Future podcast. Hello, everyone. I'm Punit Gandhi. Senior Associate with the Climate Center for Cities at the National Institute of Urban Affairs and welcome to the Season 3 of Understanding the Future podcast. I have been working and studying in the field of sustainability and climate change for more than 8 years and I have realized that I have a lot of questions on how we can build cities in India that are more climate focused. With Understanding the Future podcast, I interact with experts, entrepreneurs and government officials to understand what it takes to bring all the different solutions to the ground as well as how can systemic changes be developed on ground. We will further anchor all the topics being discussed with different skill sets required. This will help us understand the future of cities and future of work in Indian context. If you are tuning in for the first time, do check out our previous episodes. Also, don't forget to check out the Climate Practitioners India Network, a members-led solutions-oriented platform for climate practitioners across India. And join it through the show note. Hope you enjoy the podcast. Hello, and welcome to the season three of Understanding the Future. I am your host, Kenneth Gandhi, Senior Associate with the Climate Center for City. And today, we have with us Manish Lakhara. He is the CMD and CEO of EKI Energy Services Limited. Today, he will help us understand the topic of carbon market. Welcome to the show, Manish. Uh, thanks, Kenneth. Uh, so, I think, first of all, uh, we have just had one episode on carbon credits with indoor smart cities, but if we can contextualize well uh, and help us understand what exactly does carbon markets mean. I think that will be a good start. Yes. So, uh, related to what is uh, carbon credit, uh, uh, so if we do any business activity with the help of which if we do either avoid uh, emission of uh, uh, the greenhouse gases, or absorb or remove uh, any of the greenhouse gas from the atmosphere, then we are eligible to earn one carbon credit. So, uh, in short, one ton carbon dioxide equivalent emission reduction from the atmosphere uh, is one carbon credit, which is an environmental commodity, which and that is traded globally, depending on uh, if it's uh, traded uh, through the international treaties like Kyoto Protocol. Or maybe Paris Agreement, maybe traded within the domestic emission trading schemes, or maybe uh, uh, in the international voluntary markets. Uh, so uh, the carbon credits, which is an environmental commodity, uh, is considered to be the biggest commodity sector to grow in this century. 
then the next question comes is uh, what is uh, the greenhouse gases because we do have many gases which is there into the atmosphere and what are all the gases which are really uh, uh, very important in aspect of the greenhouse gases so there are seven greenhouse gases that have been approved by um, uh, united nations framework commission on climate change which creates uh, the maximum impact uh, over uh, 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 this uh, global warming of greenhouse gases. In fact, one is carbon dioxide, another one is methane. Then comes nitrous oxide, hydrofluorocarbon, perfluorocarbon (HFC, PFC). Uh, the last two gases are sulfur hexafluoride and nitrogen trifluoride. So these are the seven greenhouse gases. Uh, if you do any business activity which helps to avoid or absorb. Uh, any of these seven greenhouse gas, obviously, uh, the base gas considered to determine carbon footprint is uh, uh, carbon dioxide. And for example, if you are reducing one ton methane, then it is equivalent to around, so depending on the global warming potential, which you need to uh, uh, vary. The different values used to be considered in different eras in the past. So as of now, for example, if it's twenty-seven, it is the factor of global warming potential. Then, if we do reduce one ton methane, then we are eligible to earn twenty-seven tons of CO two. That means twenty-seven carbon footprints. Uh, so, uh, I think this is very interesting to know, and uh, if you can also like how the carbon market come into picture, we evolved to this level that now we are trading this as a commodity. Yes. So, so during the Early nineteen eighties, nineteen nineties, it had been uh, recognized by uh, the researchers, uh, the scholars, or the scientists uh, uh, globally that uh, global warming is uh, happening, and uh, we should do something about this. So, a uh, 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 department, or you can say a, a unit under United Nations, had been formed called as United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change during nineteen ninety two. And afterwards, uh, uh, within Europe policy, it had been discussed that uh, to we should limit the emission of the greenhouse gases, and there should be some international uh, an international treaty to uh, reduce the emissions that we are doing. And so, during 1997, uh, after formation, that means 1992, there was the formation year of Europe policy, and then during 1997, a Kyoto Protocol. But, uh, why we call it as Kyoto Protocol? Because the meeting had held uh, there at Kyoto, Japan, and that is why that protocol is called as the Kyoto Protocol. So, under that Kyoto Protocol, it has been decided that all the developed nations are responsible for the global emissions, global warming, and uh, they should reduce their emissions. And if they are not able to reduce, Then they were allowed to buy the credits uh, originated from developing nations under Article 12 of uh, the Kyoto Protocol, and the, we call that mechanism as the Clean Development Mechanism. So during 2011, the agreement uh, on Kyoto Protocol rules uh, happened at Marrakech Accord, and then actual carbon market has got started from here 2005. According to the Kyoto Protocol, uh, 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 the first commitment period was from 2008 to 12, and the second commitment period was from 2012 to 20. And uh, the in the year uh, like in year 2022, we are in this uh, era where the Paris Agreement has been signed during year uh, 2016, and uh, the obligations, uh, uh, the obligations or uh, eventually. Uh, voluntary pledges that had been signed or that had been declared by all the nations, uh, we call it as uh, the National Development Constitution document. So it's uh, 
uh, actual uh, uh, volunteer pledges uh, commitment uh, uh, used to get start from 1 January 2021. So we are now into the Paris Agreement era. So this this two treaties called as Kyoto Protocol and Paris Agreement uh, they had given uh, um, to uh, the international agreements. Uh, thereafter, uh, we do have domestic compliance markets like. Uh, since the developed nations from year 2005, they have all got the obligation to use their emissions. Um, and uh, so, various nations had formed uh, their domestic emission taking scheme because uh, uh, probably government is not able to uh, do the reductions, they are they're, they're not able to mobilize all the reductions that can be done within the geographical boundaries or within the economy. So, the domestic emission trading schemes had uh, uh, then got their positions to get developed. So, from Year 2005, uh, one EU ETS, which is the one of the largest emission trading schemes, one of the most famous, most successful emission trading schemes uh, in Asia, Europe, had uh, got its position there. After New Zealand ETS uh, uh, had got its position, then California, then China, then South Korea. Uh, uh, recently, Indian government had also declared that you want to uh, uh, establish a domestic emission trading scheme. So these are all the compliance domestic schemes. Thereafter, the third regime, where uh, uh, the credits used to be sold uh, 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 through the voluntary pledges that have been taken by the AS companies like Microsoft, because in, uh, since Microsoft is based in the USA and they do not have any obligation to these emissions because they do not have any domestic emission to these schemes. And recently, during the uh, 2021, uh, USA had signed the Paris Agreement, so uh, this uh, formation of emission trading scheme, I think it's uh, quite complicated and takes time. So, uh, uh, but uh, for example, the ITC hotels, uh, they do not have any obligations uh, to the uh, uh, to any domestic uh, scheme, uh, domestic emission trading scheme to use the emission. So, uh, because of the voluntary pledges, uh, many organizations have taken because of those voluntary pledges. Organizations used to buy the credit for their voluntary, um, uh, under the voluntary regime. So we call it as the voluntary carbon markets. Uh, there are various standards um, uh, which do uh, allow the projects to be registered, to be verified, and then uh, the trade used to be uh, traded from the seller to the buyers uh, uh, under the voluntary regime. So these are the three different uh, options which are there in the uh, for the carbon markets. One is related to the international agreement, then domestic laws. And third one is the voluntary pledges. So, in, uh, the whole international carbon markets uh, historically has got developed from year 1992 with the formation of UNFCCC up to 2021 with the formation of Kyoto Paris Agreement. And the major difference, as you know, between uh, this Kyoto and Paris is uh, in Kyoto, um, all developed nations uh, had uh, been considered that they are responsible for the global warming and they should use emissions, and if they are not able to do them, they are allowed to buy the service from only developing nations. While in Paris Agreement, all nations, including India or China or Brazil or maybe all developed nations like US, Europe, all are obligated to reduce the emissions to meet one and a half degree centigrade temperature capping uh, goal uh, under uh, this specific agreement. So, this is how uh, under the Kyoto Protocol, almost uh, 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 20 to 30 percent of the global emissions uh, uh, had got. Targeted to reduce uh, those emissions because uh, USA has not signed uh, the Paris Specific Treaty at that point in time. So, almost 20 30% of the global emissions have got targeted through the formation of Kyoto Protocol, but now 
almost 100% of the global greenhouse gases emissions have got uh, targeted uh, uh, to, uh, to to reduce such in, in such a manner that we would be able to cap one and a half degrees centigrade temperature uh, temperature rise uh, that uh, that is uh, going to happen in uh, coming few years. So this was uh, the whole history of the international carbon markets uh, from year 1992 up to 2023. Thank you so much. I think that's uh, that's very concisely was put it in all the different brackets and that's very interesting to see as well. And I think the next thing that uh, does come to my mind is that you've spoken about uh, quite a lot of domestic markets as well, the lines of the UPS and that came up in China and California and New Zealand as well. Uh, now, what are some of the current programs that are you know, widely used and how does these programs function? What is exactly required? to be able to register on this project, to be able to use uh, the carbon credit they have. Yeah, so as uh, we have discussed, like there are two different markets. One is the compliance market driven from international agreement or by the domestic law and one is the voluntary market. So from year 2012 till date, uh, the credits originated from India or maybe other developing nations, they do not have any accessibility to supply the credits to the international domestic emission trading schemes or to the international uh, uh, or other uh, different mechanisms whatever that, uh, whatever are there uh, driven through international agreements there. So, uh, so we have only option to sell the credits in the international voluntary markets and uh, there are four the most famous uh, four different standards are there through which we can get we can apply uh, to get our project registered, then annual verification so that we would be able to get the credits. So the first program is uh, uh, CDM, that is a clean development mechanism. Although the CDM, they do not allow new project registration, but yes, uh, whatever the projects that have been registered, around 8,000 projects have been registered up to 2020, uh, we can get those projects into the verifications and uh, uh, up to 2020 only, and then uh, you'll be able to monetize from the sale of carbon credits. The second program is, uh, and uh, the CDM program, the uh, regulatory body is uh, UNESCO policy, that is United Nations Climate Change, which is located there at Bonn, Germany. Then second standard is VCS, Verified Carbon Standard, uh, driven by the VCS board, which is uh, Washington, USA, and uh, that comes to the independent international carbon credit standard. So we do have one compliance uh, carbon credit standard. Although the credit originated from that uh, compliance program called a CDM, would not be able to sell the same because there is no demand uh, in the international compliance market. Now, uh, with the formation of uh, these uh, more, with, with the having more clarity over the Article 6 of the Paris Agreement, wherein we have two different uh, options to sell the credits under Article 6.2 or under Article 6.4, but the 6.2 and 6.4 again, it will take around one to two year timeline to get themselves evolved. Like which kind of projects you would be able to register, which kind of credits you would be able to export to be consumed, which may allow um, uh, those credits to be consumed by the uh, NDCs of uh, uh, the other nations. So uh, the 6.2 and 6.4 uh, uh, in near future we will be able to uh, get this uh, complete regulation requirement. Then comes uh, uh, the VCS and gold standards. So VCS uh, is uh, driven by VCS board based at Washington, USA, uh, uh, and the gold standard is based at uh, uh, Switzerland. So these are all based uh, VCS and GS, uh, and the third one is VCC Global Carbon Council, uh, having headquarters based at uh, Qatar. 
So these are the three different standards. Although we do have many other different standards like plain carb, plain vivo, social carbon, REDD plus various different standards are there. But these are some uh, three four most famous standards are there, which used to bring almost eighty to ninety percent of uh, the activities in the international voluntary market. So these are all the different options uh, that we do have. So each program they do have different eligibility criteria in terms of uh, which kind of technology uh, which is allowed to get registered under a specific program. What should be the target? Target means uh, whatever maybe the date of submission or maybe the uh, date on which we have made commitment to install uh, the project uh, or to invest into the project. Uh, so that date is called target. So different programs they do have different uh, target uh, eligibility criteria. So be, uh, referring to uh, the specific position of the project, we used to choose uh, which program we are allowed. And if some two three programs we do have choice to apply in two three programs, then which program will do will be able to get uh, the best trade rate for us? Uh, uh, that decision uh, needs to be taken before application, before applying the project to get registered. Once the project is registered, the second step is uh, to get it verified at specific frequency. Say quarterly or maybe half yearly or one year, two year, depending on the types of uh, the number of credits and uh, uh, the processing cost that will be required to get invested uh, uh, to get issuance of the credits. And finally, uh, once the credits are being issued, we need to find the buyer, find contractors, and college emission reduction purchase agreement, sell the credit, get the revenue. So this is the different options and. Uh, Eligibility criteria, applicability criteria for a specific project, and the process cycle to get the registrations and verifications, and then ultimately uh, get the revenue from sale of the carbon. That means availing the carbon finance uh, to make uh, the project more financially attractive uh, or to elevate the barriers which uh, do not allow us to invest into any specific kind of technology. So, yeah, this is this is uh, the whole process uh, uh, that, that we. Uh, execute for these projects uh, uh, located across the world. Okay, no, that's uh, very interesting. And uh, so, if I can also understand a bit more on the lines of uh, cost overview of all these different uh, systems in place, and uh, how will uh, so and especially from the verification point of view, every year it is being verified. I'm assuming a lot of local manpower would also be required in the country where it needs to be verified. So. Unless and until that is there in India as well, it will not function. So in that case, uh, how is the cost outlay when it is being considered for cost stand in which a project uh, proposal is takes into account? So for each program, we do have some four or five different expenses streams. One is to pay to the consultant or advisory companies like us. Second step is uh, second uh, expenses team is to pay a third party inspection company to whom we call as uh, uh, designated operational entity or validator or verifier or in local language we call them as an auditor. So this is the second expenses team. Third expenses team is to uh, related to the travel expenses because all this uh, uh, the consultants like us or the third party inspection companies they need to do site inspection. Either at the head office uh, of the company, or uh, maybe uh, definitely uh, to visit the uh, site where the project is located. And the fourth stream uh, is uh, related to paying the registration fee to the regulatory body or to the carbon tax standard. And the fifth stream is the issuance fee that we need to pay on each carbon credit basis uh, uh, to the uh, carbon tax standard bodies. 
So depending like the cost of consultant, cost of auditor, travel expenses, they are like similar whatever the programs you want to choose. But uh, the registration fee and issuance fee used to vary on program to program basis. Uh, like in case of CDM, we need to pay uh, for for uh, for, for uh, 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 registration fee that we need to pay is uh, for small scale projects up to 15 megawatt. For example, if it's a uh, electricity generation project, then we need not to pay any registration fee. But at the time of verifications, once the credits, if you want to get issued from any specific project, then up to uh, 15,000 uh, uh, credits we need to pay 10 cents dollar and more than 15,000 credits we need to pay uh, uh, 20 cents dollar. While in case of VCS, it is again uh, depending on the number of credits that we want to get issued. In case of gold standards, again it's a flat fee. In case of BCC, again it's a flat fee. So, based on the program, uh, it used to vary. It, it, it never depends on the type of technology or the country of origin. Uh, while um, in, based on the number of credits uh, that we uh, like, in case of VCS only we do have different banks in gold standard also. Uh, in GCC also we do have different banks. While in case of CDM and GS, a straightforward flat fee they used to apply. So these are all the different different expense fees. And at the time of trading also, uh, we need to pay uh, some expenses or some fee if we go to the brokers or if we go to, for example, to traders. So, uh, small uh, expense fee is also used to get used um, uh, to remain uh, uh, for the seller of credits uh, at that at that at the selling point in time. Okay, and uh, so during the trading as well, like what's the uh, and how has the trading markets evolved? Like from where did it start of selling of one carbon credit to now where it is, and does it differ across all different of these standards? The trading. Yeah, so trading is quite complicated uh, subject in our industry because all the credit used to get traded on the OTC uh, business model that went over the counter and there is no any regulatory body, there is no any exchange. So uh, for the seller, it is again a very uh, critical uh, stuff uh, at uh, what time they should sell the credits, uh, to whom they should sell the credit because uh, first we need to transfer the credit, then we get the revenue for the same. And uh, third thing is, at what rate they should they should sell the credits? So these are the three typical questions um, which are there for the seller because the carbon credit rate used to vary based on country of origin, based on type of technology, based on uh, sustainable development goal the project is supporting, based on the credibility of the seller, based on the credibility of the third-party inspection company, credibility of auditor, credibility of or the quality of uh, the marketing material that we are preparing like brochures or photographs or uh, videos related to the project and uh, if during the construction or after construction during the operation, uh, if project had created any negative uh, impact over the society or uh, maybe some legal issues are uh, going on uh, related to the project or maybe some, some, some whatever the negative news is uh, there, for example, for any specific project, then also the carbon trade used to, the carbon trade rate used to vary. And uh, again, uh, uh, since it's a uh, market, so depending on the supply, since we are not the seller, for example, if it's uh, Adani, Green is not only the seller from India or 
only Indian sellers are not there, but we need to compete with the other sellers who are like China or Turkey or other African nations or Southeast Asian nations or Latin Asia nations. So uh, we need to have all those specific information what is going on uh, in the market on YouTube day basis because uh, then further geopolitical issues uh, like um, after this Russia Ukraine war the priority for the uh, European companies, uh, so as you know, 90%, almost 90% of the sales used to be bought in the international carbon market by the European companies. Uh, because of this Russia Ukraine war and high prices of their energy, uh, uh, the prices or the priority had got impacted because of uh, that uh, asbestos reason. Uh, so uh, there are various, various variables which do exist in the trading system. And uh, the, the expert companies, uh, for example, like us, is very much required for the seller to position the credit at what time they should sell the credit, at what rate they should sell the credit, and um, uh, to finally to have a secure transaction uh, because uh, the, all the buyers are located outside India, outside our Indian jurisdiction system. And uh, it would be very tough, uh, for example, if there, is, if there is any problem or dispute or any risk that needs to arise uh, once we transfer the case and even, uh, finally if we do not get the payment. So, so all these specific factors need to be considered critically uh, uh, at the time of selling after. Okay. Uh, so, because it's over the counter whole market, uh, is it now the Positioned in a way that uh, it can have like a stock market kind of thing, or how is it functioning? So, uh, since the voluntary carbon market is around 17, 18 years old, and to form an exchange, uh, it's a, a very tough uh, or challenging job uh, because because of this much uh, many various uh, variable factors like country of origin or technology and other stuff. So, vintage effect is also there. If the credit is up here to current 15 as compared to 2022. Yeah. For the same project, the rate used to vary. So, because of, uh, although the carbon credit means it one ton of CO2 yeah. emission reduction from the atmosphere, but because of having this different variable factors, um, uh, to have various different indexes, formation of various uh, indexes is uh, very, very tough, and that is why uh, the, uh, for the, 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 the existence uh, or the probability to exist in exchange, uh, for any exchange is, uh, is very, very tough and that is not possible during last 17, 18 years. But maybe uh, because of uh, more technology intervention, it may happen, but uh, as of now, we do not have any solution uh, in the future. Okay, okay. And uh, so, uh, coming to the more on the project side of it, uh, now what are the different kind of projects which are currently being used? more from the example point of view that what are the different industries participating and which are the industries which can participate but are still not participating in this project? Yes, so we have uh, around uh, 300, more than 300 different methodologies that have been approved by the United Nations for the National Climate Change or especially under the Indian mechanism. And those uh, methodologies do mention that various different kinds of projects uh, can be can apply for making the registration verification and ultimately issuing certificates. So almost 170 different types of uh, sectors uh, uh, can apply for uh, the experience uh, for, for availing this um, uh, carbon finance av uh, available in the international market. So first, 
Erkele Gülüze ödeniyor. O balonu değilse de sadece öyle bir nevi tam solar taktar aldı. Ender, hydro, armory, geothermal. All those different activities are allowed to get registered under the renewable energy domain. Then household and community based projects, so like clean water systems or lighting, uh, energy efficient lightings like LED lights, uh, clean cooking system, biogas uh, system, uh, then rural uh, distributed solar systems are, these are the categories comes under the household and community based projects. Thereafter, industries, uh, uh, so NGO disruption, uh, uh, the projects are related to the natural gases, for example, arranged by carbon storage, carbon capture projects, refrigerant destruction, uh, like I said, PTFC, refri- um, uh, then PGT emission reduction of the PGT emissions, these are the different sectors which come from the industrial, um, industrial gases specifically. Thereafter, energy efficiency in the industry, so having fuel switch projects or maybe energy efficient. Uh, uh, boilers or furnaces, uh, whatever the energy efficiency activity that you would be able to do for electric uh, and other electric utilities or thermal utilities, all those products are eligible to one for company. Thereafter, waste disposal or waste management sector like doing recycling or maybe uh, waste waste recovery or um, um, uh, waste uh, incineration, uh, incineration uh, and then recover uh, the waste. Uh, uh, the waste uh, whatever the waste is uh, coming out from the municipal uh, area, for example, and uh, if you are incinerating and recovering the heat for the same then the clothes and the waste disposal products are available. Further comes uh, the nature-based activities. So nature-based activities, that means the products comes from forestry sector, agricultural sector, or other, uh, no, sorry, other sector. And the final sector is the transportation sector. So uh, in the forestry sector, if you do any uh, activity like afforestation or reforestation or for reducing the forest uh, degradation, uh, all those projects are eligible uh, uh, for uh, from the forestry sector. From the agricultural sector is uh, uh, livestock uh, methane management, sustainable agricultural practices, uh, nitrogen uh, management related projects are eligible. And in case of transportation, we do have public transportation system like in India. Uh, Delhi Metro, the DMRC, uh, they do have applied for the registration for various projects, and they are, um, and they are really, uh, they are, uh, they are able to uh, get the issuance uh, on year-to-year basis and getting the credits to sell the same in the international voluntary market. So these are the different various different sectors. Uh, uh, then the sectors can be considered from aviation industry, from shipping industry. So any of the seven greenhouse gases that we have discussed uh, during the earlier conversation, if we do any business activity which helps to either avoid or absorb, are eligible to earn for carbon credits. Although we need to uh, check for, for example, if we do identify if any industry or stakeholder do identify any project, then the second step would be to identify uh, a specific methodology if it's available. If methodology is available, then we need to apply for registrations while uh, going through all the documentation requirements. Otherwise, if methodology is not there, then we can apply uh, very specifically in that uh, in the criteria. Then we can apply for the division of the methodology. Once we do all this, uh, uh, all this this uh, uh, important activity to identify methodology. Second step is to prove the additionality. So additionality means what are the what is the specific barrier which is there. Uh, for the investor to apply funds uh, to develop this uh, project. So the additionality means uh, uh, 
we need to demonstrate uh, uh, we need to demonstrate uh, uh, the, uh, uh, the barrier maybe it's a political barrier to implement the project maybe it's a management barrier or maybe uh, uh, the technology related barrier if it's for some it's kind technology if it's uh, if it's financial barrier so whatever the best uh, uh, the most typical barrier that is there in the project implemented we need to first identify the same then we need to demonstrate the additionality uh, further we need to uh, establish the baseline that is means in the absence of the project activity how much how, how much uh, emissions uh, uh, that were happening and uh, then determine the project emissions, the emissions, and once we do everything, uh, then uh, all the estimations related to the uh, determination of the carbon code. We do apply for the registrations, then get annual verifications, and, and get the credits to be sold in the international voluntary market. So this is the whole process. Uh, whatever the programs we do offer the thing, this is the whole uh, uh, activity we need to do, and that is why uh, it takes around uh, uh, one. Uh, like around eight months to fifteen months to get um, uh, the whole registration process done, and then verification also takes uh, situation time long. So the first, uh, if we do identify uh, the project activity, it is eligible to for the carbon credit, provided it, it meets all the requirements to get it registered. So if, if the day zero is uh, today, then it takes around one, one, one and a half year to two years to get the first revenue cycle. First revenue from the sale of carbon credits. So this is uh, the different types of credits that we have discussed, and the timeline uh, uh, that should be uh, uh, that should be considered uh, uh, to get the first revenue cycle from the project. So this is, this is I think, uh, very interesting because I was just going to come towards this as well. That what is the timeline, and I think that's very important to know as well from industry perspective what all different things can come into picture. To what is the timeline of it? Uh, and now coming to the India uh, side of the story, uh, what is the current policy that is that India has announced right now on this, and how will it help the market? Yes. So as you know, India is one, is third largest greenhouse gas emitter. So India, our position is very critical in reference to the Paris Agreement. In India, uh, from 2005 to 2022. We were, uh, or 2020 specifically, we were not obligated to reduce emissions because we are, the, we are, the, we come under the developing nation as per the protocol. We are not, uh, had given the, uh, we had not given the target to reduce the emissions. But under the Paris Agreement, now the target has been given to us. So for any nation, for all industrialized or having large industrial base within the nation, all, <laughs> all developing or developed nations are now going to form an uh, emission training scheme. So, Indian government had also uh, 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 had thought uh, uh, in the and uh, the Energy Conservation Act 2001 uh, is going to get amended to become Energy Conservation Act 2022. So, it had been passed from the lower parliament, lower house uh, uh, within the Indian uh, 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 approval system. Uh, uh, the laws uh, approval system, for example. So, uh, the, uh, the upper parliament, uh, we call it as uh, the Lok Sabha, had passed uh, this uh, uh, specific amendment uh, during the monsoon season. Now, the upper parliament, that is the Rajya Sabha, needs to pass it to, uh, for example, if they will do it during the winter season. So, by the end of this uh, 
calendar year you will be able to have uh, the, the amended law. Uh, obviously, final stage would be uh, to get it through from the President of India. So, uh, once we do get it through, then we will be having uh, the domestic emission uh, uh, trading scheme uh, regulations within India. And uh, as you know, for all the regulations related to the climate change, we do have one nodal agency or nodal ministry called as Ministry of Environment, Forest and Climate Change. But it, it, is very, uh, it is very interesting fact that Ministry of Power through Bureau of Energy Efficiency is doing all this activity related to the formation of domestic emission trading scheme in India. So, uh, you know, we do have two uh, schemes uh, that do exist. These uh, days, uh, one is uh, the performance event trade, and another one is the renewable purchase obligation uh, uh, REC's uh, available. So, uh, uh, this PAT scheme, performance event trade scheme, is uh, related to uh, giving the specific energy consumption target to the large uh, energy consumers within India. And uh, the credits which is tradable under that specific scheme is called as energy saving certificate insets. And uh, under the RTO Act, the Renewable Purchase Obligation Act, we do have a commodity um, and a, uh, a commodity called as renewable energy certificates. And uh, the target has been given to various obligated entities to have energy mix uh, uh, specifically from the renewable energy that they are able to meet, then uh, they can buy and sell these uh, RECs. So, as per the act, uh, the one uh, one major thing that had been mentioned here is uh, this uh, e-search and REC's uh, scheme would get merged to form a bigger uh, emission trading scheme and whatever the credits which are available in the form of e-search and REC's uh, would get migrated from uh, uh, from uh, these schemes to form uh, uh, carbon credits. And again, carbon trade definition will remain the same. One ton CO2 emission reduction from the atmosphere would be one carbon trade. And now, uh, once the act will do get passed through uh, from the upper parliament and finally from President of India, uh, this Bureau of Energy Efficiency will do come up uh, with uh, the whole procedures and policies related to determination of uh, the obligated entities, that means the buyers uh, who are uh, the obligated entities means um, the large emitters or large or mid or small emitters. Uh, so during initial stages, um, uh, how many would be um, how many emitters would be considered as the critical question that we need to um, uh, consider uh, in the future. Uh, thereafter, who will be the buyer? Who will be the seller? Uh, uh, what would be the price regulation? Uh, where the trades will be get? Uh, will get traded either only through OTC or maybe through exchange or maybe the mix of the same. Um, then who will be the uh, uh, regulatory body related to this? So obviously we do foresee that Bureau of Energy Efficiency uh, should uh, uh, take uh, this charge to form uh, to become a regulatory body within India. So all these different critical questions uh, are there, uh, which uh, will do uh, their answer. Uh, in your future, say in one to two year timeline, but uh, yeah, that is the important step in India. Uh, because for any nation, uh, you see uh, there are two options either to offer carbon tax mechanism or either to offer emission prevention scheme. So, for the nations, the bigger nations like us, it is very tough to collect the tax, then deploy the, the, that specific tax in the form of debt equity or maybe in the form of grant uh, to the various sectors. but. Um, the emission trading scheme um, used to make uh, the private sector uh, very efficient enough 
to reduce uh, uh, motivated enough to reduce their emissions and uh, then buy and sell the credits uh, uh, to meet their targets. So this is uh, all, uh, the, another thing that has been mentioned in the amended uh, uh, act is uh, any voluntary buyer are also allowed to buy the credits uh, for their voluntary credits that we have taken. Further, uh, uh, the critical questions that we use, that, that is, uh, that are, that are very important to consider is, uh, how this domestic emission trading scheme will do work hand in hand with two different markets, uh, that, um, uh, that, that, uh, the two different, the, the two markets, like Article 6.2 carbon market, Article 6.4 carbon market, uh, 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 will take their position in the next one to three year timeline. Uh, and then how this specific domestic emission trading scheme will do uh, work with the international voluntary carbon market. So this is also one of the critical questions because since we do have our own emission reduction targets and we also, Indian uh, corporates also want to take uh, maximum benefit of the climate finance in the form, form of selling carbon credits in the uh, compliance market that means uh, uh, through Article 6 market and uh, to the international voluntary market that is going to be very critical. Um, so all these uh, uh, different aspects related to the domestic emission trading scheme uh, will get their uh, full clarity or policies and procedures in the next one to two year timeline and uh, then you will be able to um, uh, check how how stringent will be uh, the emission trading scheme during the two years and obviously in coming, um, in coming uh, next 48 years as you know we Indian government has declared that we want to become a net zero country by year 2070. So we do have the next 48 years and uh, we need to align this domestic emission trading scheme with the international target to become a net zero country by year 2070 in the next 48 years. Uh, that is going to be a uh, very, very critical um, uh, uh, job for uh, uh, typical ambition for uh, the government uh, uh, to meet through a formation of the domestic emission trading scheme. One important critical point that I want to say um, uh, uh, at this point in time is related to the confusion that has been created uh, after getting uh, uh, the statement from Ministry from um, from the from the Ministry of Power during the parliamentary session that uh, India is looking to ban export of uh, carbon uh, credits. So if you see the other emission trading schemes that do, do exist, one is like European Union or maybe South Korea or maybe uh, in um, New Zealand uh, uh, or yeah. so all these schemes, they also do not allow import and export of carbon credits uh, because they want uh, their, their own domestic emission trading scheme to be very, very uh, efficient enough. But uh, different emission trading schemes uh, to have economical procurement of the credits are now looking uh, uh, to to create a tie-up like Switzerland government, Switzerland EPS and European Union EPS. They they have got tie-up to the credits which are originated from EPS or maybe from the Switzerland EPS. They they are fungible. Um, they can be traded in between the two different markets uh, very easily. So such kind of uh, things are going to happen then. Uh, 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 considering this specific statement, uh, uh, this specific statement is very, very important if you consider the domestic emission trading scheme and Article 6 market because in under Article 6 market, we need to do corresponding adjustment if you will do sell the credit to any other nation. So that is that is uh, very, very important. Uh, uh, the banning of export statement is very, very important related to Article 6 market and uh, domestic emission but 
uh, the bigger, more bigger market which exists as of now for the Indian sellers uh, is uh, the international voluntary markets. Under international voluntary markets, there is no issue related to the corresponding adjustment or double counting because whatever the previous state you are selling to the buyers, for example, like Delta Airlines, they do not have any obligation. Uh, to uh, to report whatever the credits uh, that had uh, that they had bought to meet their voluntary credits. So that means uh, U.S. government is not going to consider the credits that have been sold under the international voluntary carbon market. And so, uh, since uh, the credits will do uh, again uh, will do help India's NDC uh, to meet its own target, and U.S. government is not going to uh, add those credits in their national emission System. So that means there is no any double counting issue, there is no any requirement of uh, corresponding adjustment, and that is why that is, there is no any impact on the international voluntary market. Uh, this statement is very, very important to be considered because uh, India is the largest exporter, largest supplier of the carbon credits uh, during the last uh, 10 years. And uh, considering uh, this statement uh, with a misinterpretation, uh, will do create. Uh, big problem for the investors uh, within India, internationally, and uh, for the uh, sellers, uh, again, it is going to create uh, a high impact. So, that is the clarity that the, uh, the, uh, uh, the stakeholders related to the carbon industry. Mm, that's, uh, that's quite fascinating to know that I never knew that India was the biggest exporter uh, of carbon uh, in this whole ecosystem. It is very fascinating to know. And this sounds very interesting and uh, quite a lot of things that we use all the picking up to work around as well to make sure that the domestic market can be developed. Uh, but if we have to broadly define what are, uh, as well as, especially from the learnings of the West of whatever carbon markets have come into picture, what are some things that have not worked that, uh, uh, and what are some things that have failed in this whole ecosystem that uh, we need to be ready about? So it depends on uh, like in the act if I normally mention how the carbon market will do work, either if it will it could be cap and trade mechanism or some other forms and format of uh, the market that will do come. So uh, uh, so in near future in next one to two year timeline you will be able to check uh, what different the path uh, what specific path uh, government of India will do take uh, uh, to form a carbon market in India. And then only based on uh, the specific option that we will do off, uh, the government will do off, you will be able to uh, check uh, what are the good and bad things that had happened in the similar uh, markets uh, which had opted, opted for uh, uh, the specific guidelines or uh, the model. Uh, so as of now, it would be very tough uh, to answer uh, because we do not have any policy and processes uh, in place. and. Uh, no specific uh, clarity has been given by any government or organization in India. So, in near future, it would be it would be easy to comment on uh, the efficiency and inefficiency of uh, the different uh, sort of markets that we have. No, no, that's a very fair call and very fair point as well. And I think uh, that brings us to the last question. It's on the lines of now, this is a very broad subject that you just mentioned from uh, developing registration to trading of the whole thing. Now, what is the exact skill set required that anyone would need to be able to work in this? Uh, this brings us to the whole understanding the future concept of the whole thing. 
Yes. So, uh, like in our organization, uh, EPI Energy Services Limited, we do uh, look for uh, the technical, the people, um, if they do have technical background. So, specifically, if someone has done Bachelor of Engineering from Electrical, Mechanical, or Chemical Stream, they are the most suitable candidates because uh, to understand how the technology works, how to determine the project connection, the connection, or the baseline emission, it is very much required to understand the technology. Uh, so that is why the technical background is always uh, one of uh, the most great advantage for any uh, professional who is looking to work in our industry. The second thing is uh, we do have various uh, different options in India uh, to get the master degree either in the form of uh, energy management or environmental management or power management, India in power management or sustainability management. So, all this uh, uh, management specific, uh, specifically related to sustainability, energy, and environment, or uh, then makes uh, then gives uh, the other uh, uh, further advantage uh, to get uh, the right skill Apart from these two specific uh, uh, educational degrees, uh, uh, no 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 college or no course uh, uh, helps. Uh, professionals uh, uh, to understand how the, the, the specific this carbon market used to work, how to write project design document, how the whole uh, uh, project registration verification cycle used to work, how to find buyer, how to find seller, how different policies uh, used to work uh, at the domestic or maybe the regional level or international level. So this is uh, a very niche uh, area that is uh, in which we work, and we we always uh, our industry always need to uh, face uh, problem related to easy easy availability of uh, the professionals having the right skill set. So uh, for us also, first we look for these two technical uh, uh, managerial degree background, and then. It takes uh, six to six months to around one to two years timeline for us to develop the right skill sets, mindsets uh, to work in our industry. So this is this is uh, the specific thing uh, that we need to look for. And for example, if you are looking for uh, the projects uh, which is located in Vietnam or maybe some other nation, then the local language, uh, uh, the local uh, regional language uh, uh, knowledge is also one of the important factors that we need to well, that's that's very interesting to know, and I think I'll just ask if I have missed out on anything because I'm sure that this topic has vast uh, amount of things that we would like audience to know something which I have missed out on. Uh, I think this is Yeah, so I wish to uh, add one uh, important uh, uh, stuff related to the carbon credit related to the global demand and supply and what is the present situation. So. Around 58 to 50, 52 to 58 billion tons of CO2 is the emission that all nations need to do on annual basis. And we want to, the whole, uh, whole the, uh, the whole, uh, all the nations, for example, are, uh, are looking to become major country by uh, specific time. So, major, major, the developed nations or uh, small island groups have declared they want to become major country by year 2050. Chinese government has declared for 2060 and the uh, Indian government has declared for 2070. So, to me, to, to uh, achieve uh, the net zero goal, uh, all the nations, as you know, had committed their NDC and so it has been anticipated like 70 to 80% of the emissions uh, with the help of uh, 
the different policy interventions that had been mentioned under NDC, we would be able to meet uh, on those targets. So, remaining target around 10, 5 to 10 billion uh, tons of CO2, uh, it is been anticipated that it would be required, uh, this carbon credits would be required uh, to meet uh, the specific target and uh, uh, all the nations, all developed nations are looking very critically uh, to have very big, uh, important position in the carbon market. So, um, so for for any nation, uh, uh, once uh, they lose the mind, their carbon footprint, obviously uh, all the nations have done, but most of the nations have done through the the, 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 the credits or the, the terms of CO2 that they are emitting are not being verified. So once it will be verified, then you will be able to get the real authentic data. The second step will be to reduce the emissions and uh, why for any nation it would be very important to buy the credit because whatever the stops policy interventions that they can do uh, either uh, to drive high energy efficiency drives within the nation through policy farmers for example or maybe renewable energy but obviously the non-avoidable emissions that you are not able to reduce or make it zero again we need the carbon fix for the same. So our industry uh, uh, in next uh, uh, 20 to 30 years timeline is going to be very very critical for, for, uh, for the nation to meet their natural goals and uh, uh, definitely we need uh, uh, very good uh, uh, high skill set uh, uh, professionals uh, within, our, within our industry to achieve um, uh, the Paris Agreement goal. Absolutely, I think so. We do need it and I'm seeing and I'm just hopeful that we, the way momentum is being built up, we are able to sustain it, we will see this before time as well. Uh, thank you so much, Manish. Uh, this was absolutely uh, an amazing conversation to have and understand the markets uh, because there's a lot of things that you unpack and I think I'll also take some time to digest the whole uh, thing that you have just uh, put on platform for us. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning into the podcast. Do subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform and follow us on all social media channels. For more details about the Climate Center for Cities and registration on Climate Practitioners India Network, click on the link in the show notes. The episode is conceptualized and produced by Punit Gandhi. A big thank you to the whole team at C-Cube and NIUA for supporting the development of the podcast. Stay tuned for the next episode.